man. Hey guys. My accent is so broken. It sounds like it's from Boston. Sorry, Boston people. One time I spoke to students and I said, I'm not from Boston, and then someone thought I was lying. Like, and then they realized they knew people from Boston and no Bostonian would ever lie about being from Boston. So I was like, okay, that, that's helpful. This is uh, always a very honoring experience for me to stand in this space. Um, you, some of you have seen me before, and it's easy because I'm, I'm kind of in my sales mode, if you will. I'm in my sweet spot. Uh, anytime I get the opportunity to speak in chapel, it's always highly intimidating for you and for me, which might be surprising for you. Um, and I don't want to say that I keep score. I say this, but I, it, I keep reminding myself the privilege of this. This is my fourth time speaking in chapel in 15 years or 16 years. Now you say, well, that's not true. I've seen you up there like countless times. It's like, but this sacred desk doing this particular work is still a rare opportunity for me. Um, sometimes I get the opportunity, and when, when the opportunity comes our way, I tend to spend my time saying, Lord, who do you want to speak? Who can we rise up to this place? Who can fill this pulpit? Sometimes as a leader, we're given the job of leader not to fill the role, but to open it up to the voice of other people. And so I spend a lot of time doing that. And then sometimes I feel like God's saying, you're, you're diverting, right? You're, you're ignoring it. I want you to speak. No, 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 let someone else do it. And uh, this, probably past March, I feel like the Lord gave me a word, and I felt like it was for North Central. I said, Lord, when the timing's right, I'll share it. And uh, I tried to make this timing not right, because uh, I didn't want it to be this time. But uh, it turned out that this is the day. And uh, so I'm very privileged to stand before you in this capacity and, and bring a word to you that I feel like the Lord has placed on my heart. So, who collected things as kids? Any, any collectors here? Yeah. All right, who was a coin collector? I was a coin collector. Love coins. I bought some of my coins because I had my uh, nephews came over from Australia this summer and we actually dug out my old coin collection and uh, we were going through it because my nephew who's 11, he's becoming a coin collector. I said, oh, man, your Uncle Todd's got something for you. Come on into the basement. Let me show you my coin collection. Nobody else cares. And my nephew's there and we're looking at stuff and I'm giving him my doubles, right? And I just became the best uncle that lives on the other side of the world and gave my nephew some Australian coins that my grandfather gave me. It was really cool. And I, and I bought them. Now, I'm going to throw them up. You won't see them. They're, they're up there. So I wanted to talk to you because there's two things that I think weird. Well, there's lots of things I think about weird in America. Keep remind, reminding yourself that I'm not from here and I'm immigrant. Who are all immigrants? Woo! Woo yeah. People think I'm not. I'm an immigrant. I was an F1 visa-carrying member. I have sat in an INS office wondering if I might get deported. Yes, I've been there, right? But anyway, when I came to America, there were some weird things. Lots of weird things. All right? First of all, uh, you don't call any of your coins by what they're worth, right? Like we have a coin in Australia, it's called a 20-cent piece. Guess how much that is? Yeah, and then we have a 50-cent piece. Guess how much that one is? Yeah. What's a dime? 
What's a nickel? They're all silver. I did not do a test before I came to see which one is actually nickel. And it's probably not even nickel, right? Give me a nickel. Give me a dime. Give me a quarter. Quarter I kind of figured out by the process of, you know, my math skills, right? But they weren't, they weren't, they were weird. And then there was another weird thing that you had. Pennies. Nobody uses pennies anymore. Like nobody uses the standard system anymore. They're all on metric, right? But pennies are still alive and well in, in the US. And, and we used to have pennies, and, and I bought some of my old pennies, right? This is, the, you can't see, but this is the original, not the original, but this is, well, my dad grew up, this was the, the first penny, right? It's pretty big, you can see it up there. It's got, a, it's got a kangaroo on it. This one's from 1964. And then, I don't know why, because a penny was not worth much, they bought out this guy. This is called a half penny. What? What do you need a half a penny for? Right? You, had a, you had a half penny. Somebody called a halfpenny, right? Because, I don't know, they probably called it hey, I had a half penny. And then, and, then um, and you can see, like, see, there, there's your, your penny in the middle there, right? So you see the size difference? Now, we have this. We don't use this anymore because we were smart and got rid of it, right? This is, the, this is the penny I grew up with, but we called it one cent. That's just what it was called, one cent, right? And uh, you can see it's got a possum on it, if you're wondering, there. And then I, I found this guy, which is from Denmark, because I was just looking. This is actually five cents, but it's like, I was just kind of seeing kind of how, how, how small it is. And, and then, of course, this is, this, is, this is your penny. That's yours right there. Does anyone want this penny? Yes, I'll take it. Right here. Okay, we don't, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Examine the penny, Israel. Have a look at the penny. What's the other side say? What does that say? What does it say? It's worth $20. What? All right, now, say this, say this with me, God might be up to something. Say it. Boy, say it again. All right, if you have your uh, new King James, if you got your new King James, ver hey, you got to want it. You got to want it. Now you want it. All right. Turn to Luke 2, 21, verses 1 through 4 in the New King James Version. What? New King James Version. I'm going to read this to you. A lot of times we've seen this passage before, and it's often about tithing. But we're going to take a different spin on this very small story. And it says this, and he looked up, say looked up, all right, and he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw, say he saw, a certain poor widow putting in two mites, say mites, two mites, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. 
For all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood she had. This passage, like I said, is, is used for giving and, and offering. I wanted to make sure we took up the offering before that. Because this isn't about the offering that we think of. But I want to talk a little history about coins, because I like coins, right? And it's kind of interesting. And uh, when, when this was happening, so let me tell you kind of where I was. I, I, was, I, was, I was teaching, if some of you don't know, Greg pointed out, he goes, I like your boots. This is my Friday wear. So I call it mullet wear. <laughs> Business on the top, party in the bottom, you know? So it's mullet wear. So I got, my, I got my cowboy boots on. I have a buckle. I say anybody who has livestock, an F-150, a John Deere, and has to get up to do chores before they come to work can wear boots and a belt buckle. But I didn't bring my round belt buckle because that would have freaked a lot of you city folk out, so I, I left that at home, right? But I was, one of the things I do is I, I, I teach sometimes at conferences that do equine therapy, right, using horses to help people in counseling. And I was at a conference down in Rochester, and I was just praying, and I was struggling through a lot of different things in that moment, and I'm praying and, and going through a lot of stuff. And then God, God challenged me with a concept, so I went back to this verse, and I was looking for this word might, and it wasn't in my NIV. I'm like, well, where is it? Because when I grew up, I knew there was this thing about the widow's mites. Who's heard about the widow's mites? Everyone over the age of 40, great. Well, there used to be a time where everyone would raise their hands, I remember the widow's mites. It was always like, if you just got two cents, put it in the offering, because that's the widow's mite, and God will use that. That's how we used to use it. Let's go the widow's mite. But, but that's where it was. Now, I, I sort of went back, and it wasn't in there, so I had to go figure out where it was, and I'm like, the, the King James will have it, so I found it, and sure enough, there it was, right? And the mites were actually not coins used in the Bible, right? They weren't used in biblical times. But there was, in, in the Greek, you read it, it's called a lepton, L-A-P-T-O-N, where lepta is plural. And, and what happened, it just means, a lepton just meant very small or thin, that was, that was the idea. And, and the biblical text first gets translated into Latin, uh, and, and to make the most sense to the European empire, they had to figure out how we're we going to explain what this is. And there was this Roman coin called the Roman quadrant, uh, which is like a quarter, I'd imagine, translated nicely into a British farthing, as it was a quarter. But there was no English translation for anything smaller. However, there was a mathematical book that used the term mite, M-I-T-E, to be half a farthing, right? So you had this guy, and I need something smaller than this guy, so I got this guy. This is a half a penny. No, no those don't. there's only one... You only get one illustration in the sermon. And that's going to help you if you didn't scan into chapel today or whatever, and you got to come to the desk and, like, I was in chapel. What happened? Some kid got 20 bucks. I don't know what else happened, but that happened. Only one illustration, right? But they used might because it was half a farthing. Thus, might was used as a way of depicting smaller than small. Now, it might be strange for you to consider... The people who stand on this stage struggle with lots of things just like you do. Sometimes I feel like my space when I get to be up here in this thing is to say we're real just like you. We cry just like you. We get scared to come to school sometimes just like you, right? That's just the truth. 
We struggle with things, for me, and I think many of us, on this thing called calling on this thing called God's purpose, on this thing called suffering and discomfort. We struggle with that just like you do. You might be thinking when you look at it, it's like, I can't wait to become a pastor, or I can't wait to become a businesswoman, or I can't wait to become fill in the blank, because when we get there, we won't have to worry about all the things we're worrying about now. Trust me, once you get here, there's just a whole bunch of other things you worry about. Okay? It doesn't go away. Reality is... We question, we being faculty and staff, just like you do. We doubt, just like you do. And during one of those moments when I was with the Lord and I was praying and I was questioning and really doubting a lot of different things that was kind of God was moving and shifting. And I don't know why doubting is a word. You just sit there. You've been there, right? And I felt like God was saying, you know, I was like, well, I might, this might not be right. This might not be what I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to know? And God said to me, are you willing to give me your mites? Do you ever wonder if you might fail? Do you ever wonder if you might have made the wrong decision? Do you ever wonder if you might be a fraud? Do you ever wonder if you might be in over your head? Do you ever wonder if you might be in the wrong place? You might get hurt. You might get rejected. You might get laughed at. You might get attacked. You might be wrong. You might be doing more harm than good if I get involved. I do. You might too. And God was challenging me and he said, are you willing to give me your mites? So I went to this verse and I looked at it and I said, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What do you need me to know? And, and I kind of just dug into it and I just wanted to share a couple of those things with you today because perhaps it's something that you can take. Like a penny, Something super insignificant. I didn't know what take a penny, leave a penny meant. That was weird, right? I was <laughs> like, free money. Who did that as a kid? <laughs> now I want my candy, <laughs> right? It's just, I don't, I don't know. I love the people that put the dime in there. It's like, there's like a 10 penny guy in there, right? But maybe this is a penny. But maybe this penny can mean the world to you. So let's look at that verse for a moment. Verse one, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. I felt like Jesus wanted me to know that he sees me, that he sees you. He sees your situation. He sees your competition. He sees your pressure. He sees the people around you. He sees the circumstance that you find yourself in. He sees your displacement. He sees you as a person that's, that's out of context. I'm just picturing Jesus hanging out with the guys and then all of a sudden he turns and he looks and he sees this woman. What I ask myself is, did the other guys see her first? Were they like chatting? It's like, oh. This lady again. And Jesus turns and, and he saw. I felt like Jesus wanted to know in verse 2 that he knows. It says in verse 2 here that he says he also saw a certain poor widow putting in 
two mites. Now maybe it was really obvious. I think the poor were probably fairly easy to identify. Sometimes I think that's the same as it is today. But he knew that she was poor. He knew that everybody else knew that she was poor. But to me, I felt like the Lord was saying, I know your story. I know what brought you here. I know what keeps you here. He knows your struggle. He knows your fear. He knows the feeling of everybody watching and judging every move you make. He only looked up and he saw, but that seeing is he also knows. And that's when Jesus wanted to ask me a question. Are you willing to give me your mites like that courageous widow did? I might be laughed at. I might be ridiculed. I might be thrown out. But I got two of these. They might not even make a difference. You see, it's easy for me, as I was thinking through this, to give out of our wealth, out of our confidence. In fact, I do it all the time, right? The accent thing, it's a real game changer. Because at home, I was just a regular guy. I came over here as like a celebrity. It's a good thing I came from a good country, though, because some people, they don't like your accents, right? So if, in Australia, if you're English, that's bad, right? That's just, just bad. If you're from New Zealand, that's not much better either. Right? So we have this thing. We kind of tear people down a lot in Australia because of their accents. Now, my favorite accent is, uh, is uh, South African. If you're wondering, what does an Australian think is a great accent? I love South African. That's, that's, the, that's the accent of choice, right? Uh, but it's interesting. But I come here, and I speak, and everyone's like, whoa, who's this guy? All right? I actually would go home and tell my family, I'm a missionary to America, I said, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. You should give me some money. I'm sharing the gospel, planning churches. I'm having influence. You should take up an offering once a week and support me. I'm like, America. It's like, because I got an accent. So they all listen to me. This, this guy's different. So I know it's confidence. I can stand up and talk and people listen. That's easy. That's easy to give out of that. It's easy to give out of my position. But these things that are easy for me is like my wealth. This is my wealth. In fact, side note, I've been sharing this a lot because I keep sharing it to myself. Uh, I, was, I was reading about, um, this was like a year ago, uh, I, was, I was reading about when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, you know, love the Lord your God, love your heart, soul, and mind. Love you never yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done all that stuff. Kept them all since I was a boy. What else do I have to do? He goes, sell all your own, give it to the poor, and follow me. And he goes, and he left. Very sad, very downcast, because he was a very wealthy man. And I was always like, sweet, that's never going to happen to me, because I'm never going to be a very wealthy man, so I'm good. And I was reading that one day. I felt like Jesus saying, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, you got to take off Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff off your phone. Whoa, 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 T. What do you mean? Because it distracts you. It takes you away from relationships. It, it, it kills your way of communicating with people. It takes you away from your kids, your family. It's destroying your life. 
with meaningless stuff. And I left because I was a very connected man. But that was my wealth. That's the currency of today. That's our currency. See, wealth is not always in finances, right? It's easy to give God these things. The fact is I find myself doing it often, wanting people to notice, just like the scribes and the chief priests who throw their bags of money and wealth. And it looks like I'm giving something of value, mostly because other people wish they had it. But it's easy. But it's not a sacrifice. 2 Samuel 24, 24, Ariana's threshing floor. David's bringing in the ark, and he wants to make a sacrifice, and he goes to this guy, and he says, how much for the threshing floor so I can, your ark, so I can, so I can make a sacrifice? And he says, take it, which I would have too if you rolled in with your army, right? <coughs> hey, how much for the cow and the, and the wood? Sure's, sure's king, just glad you're here. No, 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 I want to buy it. No, no, take it, take it, take, just take it. Do whatever you need to. And David says to him, I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which cost me nothing. Sacrifice. Am I willing to give God my mites? I think of Noah. Did he ever wonder if he might be wrong when he started building a boat? I think of Abram, when God told him to go to the land, I will show you. Did he ever wonder if he might be going the wrong way? Because I sure would have. How about Moses? When he spoke face to face with God, wondering if he might not be the right guy for the job. Or David. Now, I love David. That's one of the other times I spoke in chapel. Like 10 years ago, I did a thing on David's five stones. Do you ever wonder why he took five stones? Like I do all the time. I mean, why did he need five? Was he planning to miss the first time? Was he thinking, God, God, I got four backups, man. If you can't come through for me, I got four more. Or there's going to be shrapnel. Just chuck them all in there, right? You know? (laughs) Why did he pick five? And in my head, I think of David going down, picking up stones, like he always did, thinking, I think I might have just kind of tooted my own horn a little too You know, maybe this was a bad idea. What if I'm wrong? What if I might miss? Why did David take five stones? What about Queen Esther? When she faced the king. And she says, you know, if this doesn't work, I'll be dead. It's just how it was going to be. I might be wrong. You go do your thing, Mordecai, but I might be wrong in all this. We're going to give it a try. I'm feeling like God's asking me to do this, but I might not be right, but I'm going to give him my might. Or Ruth, when she honored her mother-in-law, Naomi, knowing she might be single for the rest of her life, which is kind of a death wish in a certain way. Or Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, did he ignore that he might be wrong? This could be a bad idea. Or did he give God his minds? I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come as I just close with these thoughts. You see, life's full of mites that we ignore and we think are worthless and useless and insignificant. 
just like these pennies. Most of the time, we just throw them away. We avoid them. We downplay them. We write them off. We, we think they're not worthy to give to the Lord. But I'm telling you today, Jesus looked up. Jesus knew. Jesus saw. He can use and will use your mites if you're willing to give them to him. In fact, I was thinking about the whole of faith in Hebrews 11, and I thought it could always be called the whole of mites. Right? All the things that might not have worked out, but they did. <laughs> this guy might not have worked, and this thing might not have worked, but they did. For it is by faith that we step out and give God our mites so that God can move in a powerful way. One might go as far as that you can't have faith without mites. Yet we're called to be women and men of faith. As the worship team begins to play, I'm just going to have a stand. and We're going to close. We're, we're just going to allow people to, to pray. Um, one of the things, as a little side note of me, and I, I like to share a bit of my testimony. You can stand if you'd like. Um, because you're all here trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. And I, I've been in that place. Many of us have been in that place. Uh, when I got called from Australia to come here uh, to the U.S., uh, I studied social work. Some of you know that. And I studied social work, and I was the only social worker who didn't want to be a social worker. And I was the only social worker who happened to be a male at the time in that program. And I studied social work because I was so afraid of Monday to Friday because I was called to be a pasta. That's why I left Australia to come. I want to be a pasta. But I wasn't very good at the listening thing. I was good at the talking thing, just not the listening thing. And I was kind of scared about Monday to Friday, so I thought I'll study social work. I learned, because that's what the church really does and should do. And, uh, and those skills would transfer over, is, is kind of how I went. But when I was doing that, I then went to seminary, because I thought no one's going to hire a social worker as a pastor, so then I went to seminary. Right, and I studied clinical psychology there for this too. This is just a little advising. No one ever, well, they sort of do, but I always worried about people don't really check what you studied at seminary. You just tell them you went and they start calling you pastor is what I learned, right? And it also shuts down any Bible study you go to, right? If you go to seminary, no one wants to answer the questions anymore. But I was studying counseling, still trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And I was struggling because I realize that I struggle with trying to get people saved. And I felt like I need, there was a formula. I needed to do an altar call and I needed to do all these things. And I'm like, I, I just don't, that's just not me. And as God shaped and challenged me, I'm still in that place where I don't give official altar calls, if you will. Because I just felt like God's saying, just teach the people, just share with the people, share your heart. Share what I tell you and let them respond however they want to respond. And that has served me well. And I hope that as you train to be ministers, men and women of God, used in the capacities that God has called you to, that you allow God to use you as he wants to use you and not feel like you've got to be like everybody else in this process. 
So today you might find yourself facing a bunch of mites. And my challenge to you is are you willing to offer those mites to the King of Kings, knowing that he will show himself faithful? That he, in his time, might reveal to you his perfect will. Because God might be up to something. Even though you may not seem like it is right now, you might, your might might not be worth anything you might despise it. You might be embarrassed by it. You might feel poor because of it. You might think it's a waste of time or one more annoyance in your life. But if you're willing to offer him the little that you have out of your poverty, he can do great things with it. Give God your mites. He might be up to something. Lord, we welcome you to this place. Have your way. As we go now, Lord, we give you our mites. Strengthen this community. Strengthen our conversations. Help us to hear one another, to listen to one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to allow you to move amongst us through the things that you've gifted us with, through our confidences, which are great, but also through our mites that you might be glorified in all things. Lead us in that song. If you need to lead, we'll just finish with this song, but if you want to leave, you can. Find some place around this altar and go with God today.